Well, in case you haven't noticed, the Christmas season has already begun. And I'm not one who tends to get cranky. Well, I do get cranky. But I, I don't tend to get cranky about the commercialism of Christmas. And I don't have one of those stickers on my car that uh, talks about the, the conspiracy of taking Christ out of Christmas. Uh, and I'm really not one who worries too much about it because I know the real meaning of Christmas. And I know you can't take that away. But I have been alarmed this year at the erosion of Thanksgiving. An article I read yesterday in the Christian Post magazine said that, now listen to this, this is just incredible, 33 million Americans are expected to ditch their turkey and mashed potatoes and swarm the mall on Thanksgiving Day this year. Stores like Macy's, Walmart, Old Navy, Kmart and lots of others are opening their doors for them. So no longer is Thanksgiving Day uh, a sacred day. By the way, how many of y'all are going to one of those stores on Thanksgiving? Okay, thank you for being honest. Uh, (laughs) Just to call you out, right? But we are directed by commercials and we're directed by media. It seems like we have completely surrendered our souls to commercialism. And it's all about what commercials and media are telling us about the kinds of things that we need to buy. Even things that we've never even thought of needing. Have you noticed they're never really about what we need the most? I mean, all of these commercials. Better relationships. Not so much out there. Other than I did see a commercial the other day for single farmers. Have you seen that one? Uh, singlefarmers or lonelyfarmers.com. Maybe they're being pitched something about better relationships, but for the most part, that's not there. Uh, there's really nothing there about self-esteem or getting a better education or healthier food. A nose hair trimmer, that's something that most of us do need. Uh, cleaner baseboards and new underwear. There's just not much out there about that. I mean, aren't those the things that we need the most. We can so easily be led astray by the things that that don't end up fulfilling us. We think they they do, and if people tell us that they do, then we want to try them out, we want to buy them and see if they actually do. But usually within maybe even minutes after the purchase, we recognize our souls are still empty. Our needs continue to go unmet. What we find here in our scripture today, in John Chapter 6, 24 through 25, is a statement from Jesus about our greatest need in life. He makes the boldest of claims, although never sounds like a a fast-talking pitch man that you might hear on cable TV. He just states it, plain and simple. The world is hungry, and he has the bread. Actually, he says that he is the bread. That he is the solution to what humankind needs the most. And as we hear these words today, what we can know is that our need today, as we sit right here in this room, our need is the same. We are hungry, and Jesus is still the bread. Now, I know with some of the pictures you're going to see, you're going to get even hungrier, uh, and I apologize for that. But maybe it will remind you of a spiritual hunger as well. Jesus is still the bread, the one who fills us with what we need the most. 
to understand all of this talk about bread, we must remember how basic bread was to human existence back then. These days, with Atkins diets and all of the non-carbohydrate diets, bread has become an enemy, right? Although most of us, if we've ever been on that diet, we're never able to say no to bread for very long. But it is seen as being an enemy today. But back then, it was a key part of human existence. The people who heard these words from Jesus knew that bread equaled life. They recalled how their ancestors lived on it, on manna from heaven, with nothing else to keep them alive while wandering out in the desert. It was a temporary fix, though, as God didn't use preservatives. He provided it for them every day. In fact, He had to continue to provide it for them. And even as He did provide it, they belly ached about it, didn't they? They get tired of bread. But God would continue to give it. And Jesus, He knew all about bread and its importance. Mentioning it in the model prayer that Jesus taught the disciples and really gave as a model for us today. That uh, give us this day our daily bread. Jesus also understood that their spiritual hunger was just like their physical hunger. It was a craving that nothing could satisfy. Nothing at all that they could ever try or do would satisfy the hunger within them. And it was something that they needed every day. Well, this is where the bold claim of Jesus comes in. Jesus, noting their need, He made the claim that He was their solution, using the powerful name for God. As He says, I am, that sacred name of God, I am, I have always been, I am today, and I always will be. He used this with his presentation to the people. If he was making a pitch to them, this was the key part of it. It is one of the many I am's of John's gospel. If you remember, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection as he was confronted with death. I am the vine. I am the door. He had all of these I am's as he wanted people to understand the significance of who he was as Christ in the world. Jesus wasn't just pointing to a solution out there in the world that could meet their need. He was saying that he was their solution. And he pointed to himself. In case they were wondering what kind of bread he was, he gave further description. That he was the kind of bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Not just to a few people, but gives life to the entire world. His life and way were a staple that would last a lifetime. That would go on for all of eternity. And when they received him, they would not have to search any longer. But they could find true fulfillment for their lives just as the crowd had previously been satisfied when he provided the five loaves and the two fish, which is the passage of Scripture right before this. Jesus had been there with such a hungry crowd, and you know, there wasn't much in terms of resources. But Jesus had enough, and he took the bread and took the fish and multiplied it. And the uh, description that Luke gives us is they were all satisfied. He met their need. I was talking with someone last week about her plans for Thanksgiving. And she planned to stay here in town, she said, having a quieter holiday with her husband since some of her kids and grandkids uh, would be out of town for it this year. And she wasn't sure if she would be baking much this year. It was just going to be a handful of people and maybe not worth doing all of that cooking. 
But she told me of her tradition of making bread for the Thanksgiving meal and how much time and and work that she puts into it, worth every bit for those who gathered. It was a true labor of love. And I think about my mother's biscuits. She would make called angel biscuits. And if we didn't have those, we complained. I mean, Thanksgiving couldn't happen unless she made them, even though it took like six hours to do it. The meal just wouldn't be the same without it. As we celebrate Thanksgiving this week, what we must know is that we have been given the gift of bread as well. It, rather than the the turkey of life and all the things that we think are really important, it is really what matters the most. God has given His best labor of love. He has spent so much time and so much of His energy and so much of His power in providing us with true manna from heaven in Jesus Christ. He is what brings comfort to our souls. He is the staple that gives us strength. He is the sustenance of our existence. And it is His life that truly satisfies our lives and gives us hope and feeds us without limit. Our time of communion in in just a moment is a reminder that we are all invited to receive the bread of life. That God doesn't hoard His bread in heaven, nor does He hide it from us here on earth. He doesn't have a, a special supply of it somewhere that's just going to run out. No, His bread is here, and it is ours for the asking. The greatest challenge, though, may be that we are too busy looking for something else that will fill us up. Rushing around for things that we don't need, rather than simply receiving the joy of the bread of life. Part of the joy of receiving this bread is in what it provides us. And we can take great times of thanksgiving for what God has done for us. But the other part is what it provides for others. And our work here at Volunteers of America is one of sharing the bread of life, especially with people in need every day. The staff and volunteers hold out this bread to at-risk children and youth. In fact, about 600 of them each week, to veterans without a home and in need of assistance, to adults who cannot stay at home, to the disabled, and to people who need a vision of hope. What we offer to them is a ministry of service, and it's a bread service. What we serve to them is what is real and what is lasting. Gandhi wrote that there are people in the world so hungry that God cannot appear to them except in the form of bread. We are those people. And Jesus is our bread. As we gather around the table of communion, let us give thanks for what God has given. And let us take and eat. Let us pray. Our God, we give you thanks again for the things that you have done for us, for the way that you have given your labor of love to provide for us the very best of bread, something that will go on with us for all of eternity, something that gives us healing, gives us fulfillment, gives us love. 
Help us as we take bread and as we take the cup that we will indeed remember what you have done for us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand for our song. Give thanks in your hymnal is number 373.